welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, get in your DeLoreans and get ready to hit 88 miles an hour because we are going back in time. The 49ers face the Bengals in a game where both teams are actually playoff relevant. And with me, answering for all of the offensive smell of squirrel nut butter, it's David Newman. <laughs> That's right. You heard you heard uh, me correct. Squirrel nut butter. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. Tell, tell, tell them all about squirrel nut butter, David. Look, anti-chafe. It's an important thing. Which, on this note, I have a new piece of information to add to this ongoing story about running and chafing. My nipple started chafing today. I knew it. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it to happen oh, when when Seattle finally infected your nipples the way that it infected mine. And and it just it sucks. So for for those that are unaware, David and I are running uh, a marathon. I will probably run one, call it a day. David's going to just continue force gumping his way through <laughs> the rest of his life. And I uh and yeah, I mean you get those long runs. It's Sunday, you know, you hit mile five six seven and yeah it just it's it starts getting uncomfortable and i think you know my uh the seattle affliction hit my nipples uh if you listen to last week's episode and now david you know he was over here being all like oh i don't have this i don't have to worry about it and now here you are that's what you get here's my thing like why now like i've been so basically since like the start of july like early july is when i've been running consistently like at least four or five times a week or so Nothing, no chafing anywhere, even near the nipples until now. Like, I don't yeah. understand it. What changed? And then David, David recommended a, a lubricant called squirrel's nut butter. And, uh, what mine, you know about came, nut butt? My, <laughs> mine came in the mail, uh, looks like this, uh, for those of you that are on, uh, the live stream on from the, uh, the Patreon, it is, uh, it's a stick that you apply on your body. And, you know, all I'm saying is so far I've used it a bit. It, it works. It does. But it smells terrible. It, they, they tried to make it smell. And it's basically got like, I think, cocoa butter or lanolin or something in it. And you can smell that. And then they also try to make it smell like almondy, like nuts. And it's, it's a true it's to not, name it's, smell. It's, it's an offensive combination of smells. It's not okay. It's not okay. Well, what uh, a all right. start. Let's go. It, Dude, yeah, let's get it. Speaking of animals, <laughs> the Bengals. Um, <laughs> animals and smooth like butter. We're going to get to Jamar Chase in a little bit. But the the game against the Bengals, this is going to be a game where now the Niners, every game, they're on the precipice. I think PFF's playoff odds had the Niners at 64% right now. If they win the game against the Bengals, even though it is an AFC opponent, just because of pure record, their odds go up to somewhere in like the low 70s, like 72, 73%. If they lose the game against the Bengals, the playoffs basically become a 50-50 proposition. This is, even though it's an AFC game, an important game for the 49ers to win. And they're facing a Bengals team that is a little Jekyll and hiding their season two, but seemingly in the opposite direction of the 49ers. You look at their first seven weeks of the season, weeks one through seven, the Bengals are 11th in EPA per play. Jamar Chase is on pace for a fantastic season. He's having a superstar season. And then you get to weeks 8 through 13, and the Bengals are 26th in EPA per play, and they're seemingly up and down. And the only team they can stomp on uh, are the Steelers, and then they run into a buzzsaw that seems to be everyone else. So the first question really off the top for the Niners is which Bengals offense are they going to see on Sunday? 
that's it, right? And and I think, you know, a lot of it is going to start with Joe Burrow and and kind of where he's at and uh you know, he's coming off an injury here we're going to talk about there. I mean, offensively just kind of coming in maybe not at full strength and I think that's going to be uh, you know, a, a big impact on how well we see them perform here. But I think, yeah, if we get a Joe Burrow that's been uh, that's anywhere near like the the place that he's been at for this season, uh, it's it could be problematic. But I, because he's been very very good this year in in his second season coming back from that knee injury, like it, it's just looked awesome. Yeah, he's PFF's third highest graded quarterback on the season, behind just Tom Brady and you guessed it, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Uh, he has really been consistently good all season. He hasn't had a, a truly terrible game all year, and he's had some really, really just good games. He loves to play the Steelers, but the, the thing that jumped out with him as we were watching his tape was, one, the ease with which he puts balls in just fantastic locations. I mean, it is every ball seems to be like he walked it to his receiver and said, here you go in the perfect spot, whether it needs to be like behind him, in front of him, you know, up top. And, and and in some cases, he doesn't need to have it in a perfect ball location because he's got T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. But but even then, like it, it just everything just seems so perfectly pillowy soft right where the receiver needs to get it. And it's not within five yards. It's like 10, 15, 20, 30 yards down the field uh, on all areas of the field. He's just he's doing really, really well. He's playing quarterback incredibly well. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the ball location stats, right? So not just looking at completion percentage or, or something like that, even adjusted completion percentage, looking at the actual spots that he's placing these balls at, uh, he's been the most accurate quarterback in the NFL this year. And a lot of that comes down to what he's doing in the areas where I think, you know, you can more consistently be accurate, right? The deep stuff, uh, he's certainly been great there and, and they are going to push the ball downfield. I mean, with guys like Higgins and, and Chase out there, I mean, Higgins is just an absolute jump ball machine. And that uh, there are plays like where legitimately they just throw it up to him. It's like, okay, we've got single coverage with Higgins on the outside, we're just going to toss up a jump ball and see what happens. And and that can be successful, right, at times because he can just basically go up over uh, just about anybody that he's going to be facing. So I think that part uh, certainly could be concerning for the, the, you know, the 49ers defense and where their secondary is at. Um, but in the stuff where, you know, I think he can more consistently place these balls, right, and be more reliable with it, it is basically in that short and intermediate area, right? And he is is essentially well ahead of any other quarterback in the NFL on those throws, about four percentage points higher than the next closest quarterback so far this season. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that's the part that's scary. I mean, there are some parts, uh, it was funny, we looked at, at one throw that was like an inbreaker against zone coverage, right, in, in that intermediate level, and like watched that throw the first time, and I was like, if this was Jimmy, that shit would have been picked. Like there just wasn't a lot of room for it. Uh, and he puts it in the only place it's like has to be a little bit behind. I think it was Higgins as well coming across. It was, it the was Higgins, yeah. Has to be a little bit behind him to fit it in the window kind of between the linebackers there. And he puts it exactly where it needs to be. And it's just, it's a little jarring uh, going from having watched Garoppolo all season, who even when he's playing better, like the ball location just still hasn't really been there 
to somebody like Burrow, who is just consistently throw after throw. Like, it's so rare that he's not putting it in a good location. And usually when that's happening, it's because, like, oh, you can see, like, okay, he's got a, an offensive lineman in his lap because he's getting pressure or he's, like, trying to escape and he's gotten he's getting hit right as he releases the ball or something like that. Right? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, for the Niners, you're going to imagine they're going to have a, a heavy quarters type of game plan. They, this is the game plan they like, I think, against teams that have a lot of receiving threats and teams like to throw the ball. This is the the game plan they go against the, the Arizona Cardinals with. You know, a lot of quarters. You keep your safeties deep. Joe Mixon so far is having a great year, and, and he's finally the player that a lot of people thought that he was going to be a couple of years ago. And, and so th- this is a team that can kind of get you a couple different ways. And, and you think to yourself, okay, where where is the Bengals offense weak? It's not in their wide receivers. It's not a quarterback. It is really the offensive line. Their offensive line is not great, but it doesn't seem to affect the Bengals all that much because of Joe Burrow, because he can get the ball to the right spot relatively quickly. He moves in the pocket. Um, and and so even though their line is not super great, it hasn't mattered a ton um, because even the Steelers, who've got a, you know, a premier pass rusher, weren't able to disrupt that offense and really get to Joe Burrow and make him uncomfortable. So, you know, for the people who are saying that the best way to cure Joe Burrow's pass protection problem is to get him a wide receiver instead of actually drafting a tackle, I mean, they were right. Like, Jamar <laughs> Chase has helped that offense more than maybe a tackle uh, yeah. could at this point. And, and he's, I mean, he's slinging the ball, and, and that pass protection is holding up enough for him to do his damage. I mean, and that's the thing that we've seen is, is that quarterbacks, you know, good quarterbacks really can overcome kind of a, an inferior offensive line and be a little bit more, they have more control over that pressure rate than, than a lot of times you want to believe, right? It, it, it is uh, not to say that the offensive line is unimportant by any stretch and pass protection. Obviously that's not the case, but they certainly have more influence in the overall outcome of the play when you look at the run game, right, as opposed to the passing game. Like, there's just ways that you can overcome uh, kind of some iffy pass protection there why, with good quarterback play, with things that you can do schematically, right, to alleviate some of those problems. And, yeah, they've been able to do, you know, well enough, even like in this, like, latter stretch of the season here when things haven't been going quite as well, you still see, uh, you know, their offense doing enough in the passing game, still having success there. Uh, and so, yeah, I think the, the only thing right now that would make you think that that won't continue really against the 49ers is, is if it's uh, ultimately like an injury thing and Burrow's just not the same person. Yeah, and this has also been a roller coaster for Jamar Chase as well. Those why, and this is kind of with the emergence of T. Higgins. You've seen the decline of Jamar Chase. Weeks 1 through 7, he was the 6th highest graded wide receiver. Weeks 8 through 13, he is the 75th. I think they're they're trying to put him in some interesting spots and get him to a place where he can get his hands on the ball um, because they've lined him up in the backfield a couple times. He goes out into the flat for a screen or for a swing pass. Um, but the, the Bengals just have threats everywhere. Uh, you know, you, we, you talked about T. Higgins, and sometimes it really is just super basic stuff like go deep, catch the ball. Um, and even if there's two people there, it doesn't matter. Um, and jump balls have really not been the 49ers' friend. The Niners are going to go into this game hobbled at cornerback. They've got the barnacle starting, one Mr. Dante Johnson, and you've got Josh Norman. At, I mean, over under on pass interference penalties that get called against the 49ers, uh, like two? You're taking the over, you're taking the under. I'll take the over. 
Yeah, I mean that's... they're gonna they're gonna throw it deep, right? It just it just feels like they are a team uh, yeah. that's one of those kind of like the Seahawks, right? We talk about this nearly every time uh, San Francisco plays Seattle, and and it's that Wilson is a guy that it kind of doesn't matter, even if your defense structurally is set up to try to limit those big plays and and really play soft and over the top. Like they're gonna take chances, right? They're just gonna throw some balls up down the field and see what happens. And and I think you get a lot of those same vibes from Burrow in this offense, right? Where they know they have weapons on the outside that are going to be matchup advantages for them most of the time. And uh, they're going to give those guys some chances to win. And it doesn't work out necessarily every time, but like, Hey, it's going to go in their favor, a good majority of it. And yeah, I mean, you see Higgins doing the jump ball stuff. Chase, you know, has been able to get more kind of, he's more getting behind guys, right. And, and doing that sort of thing. And it has been interesting seeing, uh, you know, his rookie season kind of, you know, start out so well, and he was just putting up ridiculous numbers. And then you see things like, I mean, last week, it was just kind of some fluky things going against them that, that really, I mean, worked against them in the, the, the outcome of that chargers game, right? You see that one deep ball, perfectly thrown to chase like you know over his shoulder they're only down i think nine nothing at that point chase kind of bobbles it pops up into the air the cornerback who he just roasted ends up being able to recover and and pick it up off off the tip and you know uh the chargers go down and score a touchdown there and then suddenly you're you're down 16 and kind of in this hole you can't quite dig out of for the rest of the game and so there have been kind of things like that happening with chase uh, I think it's been interesting. They've been trying to do some different things with him, moving him around a little bit more like college. It was something that he mentioned like that was different uh, in it, at LSU, right? They moved him around all over the place. Like he was just kind of like could line up anywhere. Uh, and then he got a little bit less of that this season. And so it became easier after he had that hot start defenses start, you know, can they can kind of play the safety over the top of him, do some things that make it a little bit more difficult. And that's why we've been seeing guys like Higgins kind of start to, uh, have a better season there. And, and so I think they're trying to start doing some things uh, to, to still figure out ways to get him involved. Could this be like a secret shootout game though? Because we, you know, we did the Patreon video and we looked at Jimmy Garoppolo and his performance against Seattle. And I think, you know, emotions are running high, admittedly. I will be the first to admit after the game. And, and we went back and we look at his play and, and the general takeaway from, from rewatching, especially Jimmy Garoppolo was that like he, he played pretty well, actually. He was a little unlucky, had some good throws, and, and then it was just the boneheaded turnovers that really, really sunk the 49ers. When you look at the 49ers offense, though, especially in this back half of their season, after the 2-4 and four start, the 49ers have been, statistically, the best offense in football. You, you look at weeks 8 through 13. Yeah, I say that like kind of questioningly. It's because, so like, weird, yeah. It's, it's weird. You look at weeks 8 through 13. First in EPA per play. First in PFF team offense grade. Weeks one through seven, they were 21st in EPA per play, 20th in PFF team offense grade. And, and we went like real deep to try to figure out what explains exactly why they've been better now as compared to the first seven weeks. And I don't know that we found anything that was appreciably different. There's a couple of things, yes, that, that point to their kind of recent resurgence, but there's not really anything specifically that you can say like, you know, oh, they changed this one thing and that's why they're playing well. Um, it really is just them kind of doing better, especially Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Right. I think with Garoppolo, right, the the key thing that we did see, and, and it feels a little weird saying this after a game in which his biggest mistakes were some big mistakes, right? And and uh some some really kind of bad misreads and, and bad turnover worthy plays there. But that's the thing that he has kind of since that Bears game really cut down on. Um, and, and so since that week eight game, uh, his turnover worthy play rate before that game was over 6%. It was like a full percentage point higher than the next closest player uh, there. So it was just dead last in the NFL. And that's fallen all the way down to, uh, what, a little over 2%. Um, so it, it's it's a big drop down that takes him from the worst in the league by a significant margin to actually kind of an above average rate, right? And, and you can live with that. You're never, no player, like no quarterback, completely eliminates that stuff like it shit just happens right like you're gonna have nor do you want them to you don't want them to be too safe exactly right right? some of that stuff just comes with taking shots down the field i mean with burrow we we saw in the games that we watched right one of those plays where he did just decide to kind of take a shot to t higgins he got a little pressure in his face he had to get rid of it earlier than he wanted to ends up overthrowing it the safety is there to pick it off and like and it's an arm punt yeah those are things that you kind of of live with, right? Because when you get those big plays, like that's a huge swing in the positive direction for your offense. So yeah, you're never going to cut down on them completely, but when you get them into a more manageable situation there, that's the big thing, right? You're you're allowing your offense to stay on the field for more drives. You're not giving the defense as many opportunities with likely shortened field position, uh, depending on kind of where those things are happening at. And so, yeah, that was that. There are other maybe smaller differences, and we've talked about some of them over the past few weeks. But that I think is is kind of the number one thing that we've seen from Jimmy that has made the biggest impact for them offensively. Yeah, we, we literally did a, a bit of a data dive and and we were trying to figure out like, okay, what's what's changed in this split? What's different? We thought, okay, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is more accurate in these last uh, few weeks. And, and that's what, what explains it. He's actually a little less accurate, <laughs> like yeah. on the whole. And it's not, but it's not that much of a difference, right? Yeah. Weeks one through seven, his accuracy, and this is ball location accuracy, is charted by PFF, not, not completion percentage. But ball location accuracy was 51% accurate. Weeks eight through 13, 49% accurate. Then we thought, Maybe his wide receivers are just more open. And, and you know, that means they get more yards after the catch or something like that. His wide receivers have actually been less open in that back half stretch. 41% open rate in weeks 8 through 17. 48% uh, wide open, basically, in, in that first seven-week stretch. There's that prevailing theory that maybe it's in the shotgun. And, and he's been running more shotgun plays. And that's what's helping him out. Shotgun rate in weeks 1 through 7, 56%. Shotgun rate in weeks 8 through 13, 61%. Yes, small jump, 5%. That's not nothing, but it's not some kind of appreciable increase. And then the, pass, the run game. The, the pass rate within the shotgun has actually gone down just slightly. They've been running, so they've been using a little bit more shotgun overall, but the amount that they've been passing, I, I remember like early on we mentioned that stat where it was like 90% pass or something right. like that when they were in the shotgun. They, they've come off that a bit, and so it's actually fallen from like it was like an upper 70% pass uh, in the first half of the season, and that's fallen down to right around 70 uh, since week eight there. So you mentioned the run game, and it's like, okay, well, clearly the biggest change is that they've been able to run over 40 times in two games, and the run game is clicking, and you know, you're kind of minimizing Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and so you know, that, that explains maybe some of the resurgence. Well, their, their pass rate, in this is something that has changed quite a bit, right? Their, their pass rate in the first seven weeks was 59%. Since week eight, it's 50-50. 
They've had 191 runs and 190 passes. But when you look at the individual per play performance of Jimmy Garoppolo, it's much better, right? So even though, yes, he's getting fewer opportunities, the opportunities that he is executing on are a lot better. You look at his PFF passing grade split for intermediate and deep, and he is top 10 in both of those PFF as a PFF passing grade stat. You go to the first seven weeks and he's bottom 10 in the NFL and that same thing. So, and, and the rate at which he's attacking those areas of the field is about the exact same. He's attacking the intermediate and deep parts of the field at like 34 to 36%. It hasn't really changed all that much. So what he's doing is about the same. The, the rate at which he's doing has changed a little bit, but he's just doing it better. Um, and, and really the biggest thing that's changed is his turnovers or his turnover worthy play rate. Um, and that's what's been the biggest change, and that's what's helped keep the Niners on schedule, and that's you know one of the big contributors to them having one of the best offenses over the last few weeks. Yeah, I think ultimately, right. So that's a, a lot of numbers uh, thrown out uh, thrown at you there, but like it's it's getting back to I think what we've kind of expected um, from this Shanahan offense, right, where it, it doesn't always necessarily look that great. The quarterback play is not always stellar. But they just find a way, right, schematically to to kind of produce. And so I think, yeah, from a passing standpoint, absolutely the, the drop in turnover-worthy plays, I think, is the number one thing driving that. And then the run game has been more successful, right? They've found a way to kind of get that on track, which helps the pass game out, right? That puts them in the situations like we've talked about where they can be a bit more selective with when they want to throw the ball. And that I think because Jimmy is now in a situation where he's not having to throw the ball as frequently in situations where the defense knows that they're going to be throwing the ball, uh, you know, that, that helps him kind of curb that turnover worthy play rate a bit. Right. And, and the, the run game has been a pretty big difference. I mean, over the first seven weeks, they were 27th in EPA per play. They've, they're up at seventh now in the second half stretch. So it's been a, a huge jump there in the run game. And so I think now we're just kind of back to what we expected this offense to be coming into the season, right? Because remember, like in the in the season preview, we talked about like, hey, like this is a, a team that just kind of has found a way to be a top 10 offense pretty consistently with the formula that they have. And that formula included pretty mediocre quarterback play, right? Yeah. That, that's kind of what we have come to expect from this team. And we're, we're finally back there, right? Jimmy had a, a rough start. The run game had a rough start. Uh, and, and things, I think, were really ugly there for that first, like, six games or so. But they've found a way to kind of break that mold. And now we're getting back into the same sort of rhythm uh, that we've seen them in over the last few years. So we bring it back to the original question. Maybe this is a sneaky shootout game. Maybe this is a game where the the... The Bengals have the ability to score points and they don't match up incredibly well against the 49ers. And and maybe this 49ers offense now has found its rhythm and it's able to get some points on the board as well. Uh, maybe this ends up being a sneaky shootout because you've got two good offenses that are going to be able to go up against one another and, and potentially score some points. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I, I, I think, again, the only thing really that... Uh I feel like can hold back Cincinnati's offense in this specific matchup is, is the health thing. I mean, so you've got the burrow question mark with the pinky um, T Higgins also suffered an ankle injury late in that game against the chargers. Not sure what his status is going to be. Uh, Mixon is dealing with an illness and they've had several players that have missed some time recently due to 
uh, like non COVID related illnesses. And so, yeah, like w- what is the the makeup of this offense? Are we getting anything close to full strength? Like if, if Higgins ultimately is good to go, if Burrow is going to be fine, uh, you know, I, I think then, yeah, they're going to be able to put up some points because I don't know that the 49ers really have the talent in the secondary to match up with these receivers. So I think that's problematic. And yeah, I don't, I don't also know on the other end of that, that, uh, Cincinnati's defense is necessarily good enough to slow down what the 49ers have been doing offensively here and, and really yeah. make me think that that formula is not going to be able to hold up. What's interesting is that I do feel that this is going to be a game where the Niners are going to need to run the ball. Um, because when you look at some of the players, I mean, DJ Reader has been really, really good along the interior, but um, they do have some players in the back end that can, I think, play some coverage. Mike Hilton, who's the guy that, you know, I wanted for the Niners if they had money to sign a slot corner. Um, he's uh, he's doing some good things. He's playing well. And so I, I do think that they have, uh, I mean, what team doesn't have better corners than the Niners at this point? But <laughs> Um, I, I think this might be a game where, um, you know, having Debo back will be a big, big, uh, feather in the cap. And, and of course the, the big, the big elephant in the room, as long as they don't screw things up, uh, on sure. special teams. Yeah. But I think, yeah, teams. defensively with that Cincinnati team, I mean, we've seen the 49ers when things are clicking for them, like if they've got the run scheme going, they can kind of run it against anybody, right? Even, yeah. even the good run defenses. And I think from a passing game standpoint where Cincinnati is weak, is those linebackers aren't very good. And, yep. and and so I think middle of the field and where they want to throw the ball, right? They're going to have and some And that's it right there. The run game and then throwing it in the middle of the field. The and that's where Shanahan loves to attack. I, I think I saw um Aaron Schatz, who's the the guy who runs football outsiders. He said that the the Bengals are like bottom either bottom third or like in, in the bottom two or three teams in terms of defending the middle of the field in terms of DVOA. So if the Niners, you know, this is one of those things where, yeah, I, I could absolutely see this being a shootout. The, I don't feel like the Bengals defense necessarily matches up all that incredibly well against the Niners. And yep. the Bengals offense is just really good. And, and the Niners defense is, is not super great. So, yeah, this could be a super fun game. Uh, and, you know, it's been a long time since I feel like both teams were relevant and played against each other. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, this, you know, old school rivalry if, if you're that old. Um, all right, let's get to some quick hits. Uh, and really, it's just one uh, because it's the PFF All-Pro team. Um, through week 13, they released some folks. Debo, first-team flex. Trent Williams, first-team left tackle, which uh, we won't spend too much time on it because the the Pro Bowl is an absolute joke. But the fact that Trent Williams is eighth in Pro Bowl voting, it, it tells you all you need to know about the Pro Bowl. Um, he's eighth having among tackles? Fa- Yes, eighth among tackles in the <laughs> NFC, I think. Uh, is it like, it, okay, it, maybe eighth among like all players or something? No, like that? no, no, but, no, no. Uh, eighth, yeah, eighth, yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. It's it's stupid. I mean, the, 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 the Pro Bowl to me is effectively a joke. Just to look at all the Pro, Pro Bowl. Like, why, why are we look, even pretending like this is a thing that people I care still about think anymore? it should be a skills competition. It, should, it shouldn't be a game. It should be a skills competition, and, and that's it. And and no beach volleyball because we saw how that ended for some poor Patriots running backs. Um, but but yeah, Trent Williams, first team left tackle, George Kittle, second team tight end, uh, and surprise, no one on defense. <laughs> uh Nick Bosa, I Shocked. guess, would be the only one, but right. yeah, no, no one else. No one else on defense. Um and and I think that's it. I think that's it. unless you had another another quick hit or another thing you wanted to cover. What you know about that squirrel nut butt? No, no that's uh <laughs> That is is all I've got. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, look, I, I think for the first time in in a little while, this is a game 
that I I am kind of like looking forward to that feels like it could be kind of like an exciting, fun game to watch. Not to say that they haven't like had some of those games this year. It just, like, I don't know that I've really expected that going into it, which means that it'll probably suck because uh, that's kind of how things have gone this year. Um, yeah. But hey, <laughs> we can have a little bit of hope for for a fun game at this point on Thursday. Well, who knows? Maybe at the end, maybe in the in the post game live stream, you'll get an amped up David Newman uh, as opposed to an amped up Oscar, and we'll see what happens at the end of that game. But uh, David, tell these folks about the Patreon for the folks that are watching us live who got to see the live squirrels nut butter uh, <laughs> that I'm showing them one more time here on screen. I feel like we should reach out to them and have them try to sponsor the podcast or something like that. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we'll tell a, tell we'll them where they can see this. Logo up on the live stream, uh, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/BetterRivals. Uh, head there. There's lots of fun stuff. You get the live streams that we've mentioned several times now. You can watch us. Uh, and see the stupid shit that we do on video as we're actually recording these things. Uh, you get that on demand as well. If you can't make it live, you get the Discord. You get the weekly video breakdowns. Head there. Buy us a beer. It's the best way that you can support the pod. You can always follow me on Twitter, at Better Rivals. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners. Go Niners.